Good morning to those that are joining us online today as well. Welcome. My name is Lydia Choi, um, as well introduced, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, today, we will continue the message series on the invitation to wholeness, and we will focus on relationships. Um, my family has been living in Seattle for more than five years now. And before we made or moved up to Seattle, people warned us about the Seattle freeze. If you're not familiar with what Seattle freeze is, this is what the Urban Dictionary says. It says, I couldn't find it in a regular dictionary. I had to go to Urban. <laughs> and it said it is a social phenomenon commonly found in the Seattle area. It concludes the majority of Seattle residents as snobby, cold, unfriendly people with a fake, polite exterior. Yeah. So we live in somewhat of an unfriendly city, and it doesn't help that we have been in isolation for some time. We have gained friends, friends and we have lost friends. Some of our relationships have been strengthened and strained. And we are living in a world that is consumed by what we call the pandemic fatigue. We all race to get the wheel turning again in our lives. And our children's lives got very busy. And all of a sudden, our lives also got very busy. And we're always hustling. Hustling to get here, hustling to get there, hustling and hustling and hustling. We're so busy that we don't have time for relationships. My son had a baseball game, and usually I'm with my extroverted husband, David, and who usually makes all the conversations. So I just stand there and listen and nod and like to be by myself and listen to his conversations. Well, this week I went by myself, and afterwards David kindly asked me, did you make any friends? I told him, no. I was too consumed thinking about my sermon on relationships. I didn't have time. <laughs> and I think he was very worried because the next day he brought me a book from his office. <laughs> and it's called this. It says, be a people person. <laughs> Let me know if you want to borrow it. <laughs> um... I don't know about you, but the pandemic fatigue is real. And you're probably not thinking about relationships. Or whether you like it or not, we are relearning to be in relationships. And we can't escape relationships because it is part of us. Before we get into the word, um, join me in prayer. Let us pray. Today, I want to read our prayer from a Celtic daily prayer. So receive this prayer. Most powerful Holy Spirit, come down upon us and subdue us from heaven where the ordinary is made glorious and glory seems but ordinary. Bathe us with the brilliance of your light like dew. God, we come today to worship you and give you our praise. And as we enter into a time to hear from your word, 
I pray, God, that you will speak truth to us, that we will listen, but that we will also be transformed through your word. So speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, and I am going to read from verses 7 to 21. All right, it might be on the screen, maybe not. Okay, join me as we read. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in your love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. Pastor Scott last week shared that God made you and me in the image of God. And we're deeply rooted in God's love. When God created man, Adam, he said that it's, good, it's not good for men to be alone. So he created a helper for him. And he created a woman, Eve. He created Eve because he knew Adam would be lonely. Daryl Johnson, a professor, um, my professor in seminary has shared this with us. He said, Adam alone is not Adam. In the image of God, God is not a solitary God. God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God three in one. In relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. So Adam's aloneness 
did not reflect who God is until he shared life with Eve. There are many dimensions of God's character we were created to reflect, but the chief among them is the usness of God. God does not exist alone. Daryl Johnson, he continues um, to explain that because we're created in the image of the Trinity, that loneliness is so crushing, that broken relationships are debilitating, that death is so painful, lack or loss of relationship violates our essential nature created to reflect the relational essence of God. God is calling us with his unconditional love. He's inviting us to be in communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Greek, that love is called agape. Agape is not feeling. It's not a feeling that happens. Agape is love in action. It's love in action. 1 John 49, as we read, it said that this is how God showed his agape among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Agape is demonstrated in Jesus Christ. God's love holds nothing back. You see, there were big circumstances when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Sin entered the world. Sin entered the world in this perfect creation that God created. And therefore, we are all sinners. And you know that the punishment of sin is death. But Jesus paid for our sins through his death on the cross. Romans 5.8 says this, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person. Someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our love, human love, is a response to the love of God. It's a response. We love because God loved us. And as we read in 1 John again, John goes further into saying that whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And even furthermore, in Matthew chapter 22, You guys know this verse. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus isn't commanding us, you shall love God. But God is inviting us to love. We are invited into the Trinitarian relationship, into the us-ness relationships. And when Jesus said, the second is like it, I like how some theologians interpret it as just like it or 
equally as important as. I think loving our neighbors is as important as loving God. So we have this vertical love with God, and we are invited to also love horizontally. In loving horizontally, we are to love our neighbors. But who is your neighbor? I believe our neighbors are everyone that is at our reach. So your family, friends, as well as our homeless person, as as well as a homeless person in our city and the orphans in our world. Now that transportation has gotten so good, I really think everybody in this world now can be our neighbors, right? But today, I'm going to narrow it down and go down to our reach, narrow our reach to people around us. So let me ask you, how is your relationship with your wife? How is your relationship with your husband, with your children, your teenagers, your adult children, and even grandchildren? How is your relationship with your friends at school, with your coworkers at work? Do you have a friend you can call when you need someone to talk to? when you're in need. We can always come up with an excuse for why relationships are not the way it is. It's true, especially in relationships, because it always takes two. You can't do it alone. But the truth is, it always starts with one. What if you were that one? Maybe God wants you to be more of a giver in these relationships. Relationships are not just about you because we are invited into the us-ness of the Trinity out of the overflowing, the overflow love from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are able to love. But I know that it's not easy. I'm feeling it as much as you are sometimes. And I am working on it. It's a continual journey that we have to work on. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, their eyes opened and they realized that they were naked and they were embarrassed. So they had to sow fig fig leaves um, to make themselves some coverings. And I can only imagine the fear they probably experienced for the first time. So when they heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden, they hid from God. And I'm sure God knew where they were. God could have rebuked and said, come here right now. I do that to my teenagers sometimes. Like, come out of your room right now. But instead, God calls out, where are you? Where are you? And afterwards, God even makes clothes for them. And this is the love God has for you. 
But because sin entered the world, we live in brokenness. And in what brokenness are you living in? That you are reacting out of your woundedness. What is keeping you from God's love, from loving others? Are you hiding from God? Are you hiding because of shame, fear of feeling, I am not enough? Maybe something happened in your childhood. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe someone called you dumb or stupid, and you hung on to those untruthful words. And you're hurting for your parents' divorce, that you live in anxiety, and sometimes even thinking and fear that my spouse might also leave me someday. You found out that your best friend, your best friend for life, has been gossiping about you. And now you simply cannot trust anyone. So you don't believe in friendships anymore. Were you hurt by a pastor? A leader of a church? Friends, we're sinners too. We are all carrying our wounds, our past memories that have hurt us in the past. Because of sin in this world, because of our wounds, we are living in our brokenness. Are you living in your brokenness? And in response to your brokenness, are you living in isolation? Blaming others when things don't go the way you want and being defensive Are you living in anger? Do you get angry at the littlest things? In shame, and out of your shamefulness, you're shaming others. Always needing approval. Approval from society, your friends, and maybe even from your parents. And are you avoiding hurt? Do you feel helpless, inadequate, unworthy? Do you have fear of failure? Is there a lack of purpose in your life? Are you distancing yourself from those around you, from relationships with others, or even from the relationship of us-ness in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Are you hiding from God? God is calling you. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? God is inviting us not to live in fear, not in shame, not out of our woundedness, but to live in wholeness of who God has created you to be. As a loving individual, a loving friend, wife, husband, mother, father, child, co-worker, and neighbor. And as the one God created in his image. Today, I want you to take a moment, sometime, maybe, even maybe sometime this week to reflect and explore some of your fears or false belief that you have about yourself. Maybe it's a memory of the past, 
that are resulting in behaviors that, are root, that, that is the root of your pain. And I want you to write them down. And then go back to the creation that I am fearfully and wonderfully made by my creator in his image. I am created out of love, from love to love. God is inviting you to delight in his love, in your relationship with God, with one another. God is inviting you to be compassionate and care for others, but also for yourself. You don't need to be so hard on yourself. Be compassionate with yourself. You can also care for yourself. Friends, live with the courage and in the freedom God has already given you. Jesus already paid for your freedom. Believe in the truth. The word of God speaks to us. In John 8, 31, 32, it says this. If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Listen to this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. You are free from whatever is holding you back. I wanted to read this passage from Ephesians um, chapter 4. Verse 17 to 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. And this is what it says. Paul writes, So I tell you this, and insist on it in that the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To put on a new self. You all got a response card today in your bulletin. And today, in this response card, I want you to invite you to maybe think about these words. What has wounded me that is keeping me from loving God? What has wounded me that is keeping me from loving others? And identify what that is and when that happened. And then ask this. How can I move towards wholeness? How can I move towards wholeness in who God 
created me to be. A loving person that loves God and loves others. And with this, I want to invite you to be in a community with people around you. Look around this room, guys. Look around. There are people sitting next to you, beautiful faces, smiling. I see Megan smiling. (laughs) There's people in front of you and behind you. House churches will be winding down for the summer, but we have a summer group called Freedom. Doesn't that sound good? Freedom? It will be a great opportunity for you to go deeper into a journey of faith, but also to be in community. Maybe you might be able to find your people at that group. We also have serve opportunities as well, and um, we had Jen and Jeff share. You can go serve at Vision House, World Relief, and be in community with people. And it's a great place for you to also meet your fellow people at church, your family, church family. And did you know that we have prayer ministers that are praying for you each day? They come to church early on Sunday mornings, and they, pr- and they pray in behalf for you. They're, they intercede for you. That you will experience the presence of God each day. So whether you know it or not, there are people already praying for you. But if you're in a place you know that you're not doing well, don't do it alone. As we live in a broken world, we cannot live here alone by ourselves. We were not created to be alone. We need to be in the us-ness. So if you feel like, I need help, you need to reach out to us. There's so many of us. You can email me. You can email Raul, Michelle, Anna, Scott, Jordan, Nathan, Lauren. And we also have, a, I, you know what? I know of a very great counseling center in our city as well. And I can refer you to one. So friends, if you're not doing well, you have to reach out. You have to reach out. Because God created you to be in a relationship. As we are in a relationship with the Trinity, with God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we need to be in relationship with one another. I wanted to end this time by reading a beautiful story by Daryl Johnson. Um, I've been talking about Daryl Johnson a lot. (laughs) Well, he just wrote a new book, and I am just loving it. And it's on um, a book called Book on Ephesians. He writes his reflections. And this part is called A Lived Relational Revolution. So here's a story from Daryl. One of my heroes is Robertson McQuilkin. For 30 years, he was professor of ethics and hermeneutics and president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary. During the later years in his tenure, his wife, Muriel, developed Alzheimer's. At time, Dr. McQuilkin tried to care for Muriel and run for college and seminary, 
But as the condition worsened, he had to make a choice, his ministry or his wife. In his letter of resignation, he wrote, My dear wife, Muriel, has been failing mental health for about 12 years. So far, I have been able to carry both her ever-growing needs and my leadership responsibilities at Columbia. But recently, it has become apparent that Muriel is content most of the time she is with me and almost none of the time I'm away from her. It is not just discontent. She is filled with fear, even terror, that she has lost me and always goes in search of me when I leave home. So it is clear to me that she needs me now, full time. Perhaps it would help you understand if if I share with you what I shared in chapel at the time of the announcement of my resignation. A decision was made, in a way, 42 years ago, when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health till death do us apart. So I told the students and faculty, as a man of my word, integrity has something to do with it. But so does fairness. She has cared for me fully and sacrificially all these years. If I care for her for the next 40 years, I would not be out of her debt. Duty, however, can be grim and stoic, but there is more. I love Muriel. She is a delight to me. Her childlike dependence and confidence in me, her warm love, occasional flashes of wet wit I used to relish so, her happy spirit and tough resilience in the face of her continual distressing frustration. I don't have to care for her. I get to. It is a high honor to care for so wonderful a person. McQuilkin was urged by many to search the world over some kind of cure so he could keep his ministry while caring for his wife. And he finally concluded that was not what he was going to do. He said, we would trust the Lord to work a miracle in Muriel if he so desired, or work a miracle in me if he didn't. The Lord chose to do the latter, work a miracle on in him. He would care for Muriel, come what may. It was very hard work, people would say. But she does not know who she is or who you are. And he would respond, but I know who she is. And I love her. Then McQuilkin writes, My imprisonment turned out to be a delightful liberation to love more fully than I had ever known. We found the chains of confining circumstances to be no instrument of torture, but bonds to hold us closer. But there was even greater liberation. It has to do with God's love. No one ever needed me like Muriel, and no one ever responded to my efforts as totally totally as she. It's the nearest thing I've experienced on a human plane to what my relationship with God was designed to be. God's unfailing love, unfailing love, poured out 
and constant care for helpless me. He who loves his wife loves himself. In doing everything he can for his wife, a husband discovers fullness of life. In giving his life away for his wife, a husband finds life. This is what happens when the Spirit of Jesus Christ comes. It is what happens when we are filled with the very life of God. Let us pray. God, we are all broken. Sinful, and we come to you as wounded individuals. We are hurting, but in the hustle of life. We don't even realize that we are hurting. We are so blinded by what is to come next that we forget that we are broken people. We forget what has hurt us in the past. But today, we pray that you will remind us what those things are. God, what are those things that have wounded us that is separating us from you? That is giving us a false narrative of who we are, who you have created us to be. So speak to us so that we will be free from that bondage. That we will believe in the word of God, the truth that sets us free. To believe that we are men and women that were created in the image of God. That was invited to be part of usness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So power of Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come upon us. And help us to truly believe that you love us. That you have created us to love one another, to be in relationship. And number one of the, the loudest cries of the younger generation is loneliness. People are feeling alone and so lonely. But may we be reminded. That we don't have to be lonely. 
but we can make a choice to live in the love of God. To be part of the relationship of the Trinity. So let us not walk out of this door feeling lonely. But let us walk out today knowing that we are loved. That we are not alone. That we have each other. That we are part of a body, body of Christ. So Spirit, come speak to us. And may we confess a love to you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.